This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, and this podcast is all about me talking to other lead singers. And today we have a great show. We have Brian Dales from the band The Somerset joins me on the program. Terrific episode. They actually played a Bernie Sanders rally, which is super rad. So I wanted to talk to him about that, and we get into a whole bunch of very, very interesting and kind of deep things, actually. So it's a great, great episode. As you can tell, my voice uh, is a little bit raspy today, a little on the low side. That's because last night Silverstein was up in Timmins, Ontario. We played a, a kind of a mini festival called Heart of Gold Fest up there. It was a great time. Um, and, you know, something really interesting happened, actually. We, um, and I'm just going to put this out there just because, you know, because I don't really care. But uh, when we were settling the show, somebody said to our tour manager that I had cheated the kids because I wasn't really singing. And I was like, and I heard this this morning and I was like, wasn't really singing. Like what? So it totally blew my mind, freaked me out. And it got me thinking about that stuff because, you know, it's getting more and more prominent for bands to use backing tracks. Um, and, you know, I know people listen to this show because, they want to get the inside shit, you know? You guys want to know what it's like, what we do as singers and as musicians and the stuff that people don't know about. Well, backing tracks are a real thing. And typically I would say, you know, backing tracks can be anything from a little bit of padding with some like strings in the background, which I think most people would say is acceptable to full-blown lip-syncing. And first of all, Silverstein, we have never done any of that ever. I've sang every song, you know, we don't have harmonies put in. Everything is real. Uh, and that's something that we take a lot of pride in and, and is important to us. So last night hearing this was very, very funny. So I almost just wanted to put that up there being like, I'll never 
I'll never not sing my songs. And I don't know. I mean, it's almost a compliment. I mean, I mean, I must have sounded pretty good if, uh, if they thought it was fake. So anyways, Timmons, thanks a lot for last night. We had a blast and I hope we can come back really soon. In other news, podcast is just doing so well. It keeps growing every week. I get more and more emails from you guys. I'm sorry. I've had a real rough couple weeks, a lot of stuff going on in my life. Um, so I haven't been able to respond to everybody, but I really will try uh, from now on to respond to emails, to respond to Twitter messages and everything. I'm kind of getting my shit back together right now, and I'm starting to feel really, really good. And I really want you guys to know that this podcast is something I look forward to recording every week. Uh, I always look forward to all the, the conversations I have with all the guests, and your support just means so much. And I know we're working on this VIP thing. I know it's taking some time. People are like, Shane, what's going on? We want to be a part of this, and I love that you do. Uh, so just give us a little more time. We're kind of ironing out the details on that, but more so sooner than later, we will have all that stuff up and running. For now, as always, we got the Amazon link. It's real simple. If you buy anything on Amazon.com, just go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. That takes you right to Amazon.com, the homepage. You log in as normal. And whatever you buy, whether it's new clothes, whether it's batteries, whether it's diapers, whether it's condoms, I don't know. Whatever you buy, 4% goes to the show. And it really, really does help us out with, uh, with paying some of the bills that we have, you know, with all the hosting and, and everything else that goes along with this show. Anyway, get in touch. Lead Singer Syndrome at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Lead Singer Sin, S Y N, Instagram at Lead Singer Syndrome, and we have a Facebook page as well. I think Facebook is up and coming, uh, and we're going to try to do more and more with that. So uh, search it out, Lead Singer Syndrome, and make sure you like us on Facebook. Anyways, hey, let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with just a super, super nice guy, very down to earth. Here's my talk with Brian Dales of the Somerset. Catching lightning in a bottle Don't give a fuck about tomorrow Yeah, we're dancing in the backseat We don't need gravity Here in the afterglow Yeah, we're rolling with the thunder Now take a breath, we're going under We're getting busy on the backseats We don't need I apologize for being late. Oh, don't do uh, my life. My life has been in shambles recently, and uh, I'm currently at my buddy's house doing this in his spare bedroom. And I got stuck in traffic, and then I fuck. I'm. I'm I apologize, man. I'm usually. Dude. I'm usually a bit better at being on time. Don't worry about it. I'm literally laying in bed. So. Yes. Yes. So you guys are off right now. We're well. We start tomorrow. Actually. Okay. But we start in Anaheim pretty close to home so and i've had bronchitis for a few days for the last week so i'm actually just taking it easy i got bronchitis bronchitis the day before you start tour is not the greatest thing that's ever happened to me but it's better than it happening in the middle of the tour oh dude i i mean i guess right i don't know i mean i don't i mean there's really no winning scenario no i mean if at least if you get it halfway through the tour you had the first half to to (laughs) to be okay i guess but dude, that is uh, that is gnarly. So like, actual, how do you even get bronchitis? Like, and so I don't know. I mean, I guess bronchitis is, from what I've learned, is actually pretty hard to like diagnose because it really. I just I was so last weekend our record came out like ten days ago, and then we went 
we did a few shows the weekend it came out, but like we did one in Florida in like, and it was hot and rainy. And then we flew to Wisconsin and it was snowing. And then I just came home and I just got really, really sick. Ugh. And I guess I like, my lungs are really backed up, and it's bronchitis is more just like a side effect from being having been really sick. Right. And it, but I guess chronic bronchitis is something that like can come from that. And I'm just so I'm really more so just trying to avoid having chronic bronchitis. Yeah. Well, you don't sound too bad. No, I actually feel a lot better. I re- we did we rehearsed yesterday, and I was actually able to sing. So yeah, that's good. So, so okay, so well, so you you live in you live in California? Yeah, we all actually live in L.A. Okay, but you're not from California. You, you, no. you did you relocate the band there, or did you guys just uh, all kind of end up there? We started the band. I grew. I was born in Detroit, and then grew up in Arizona for a little bit. And then we started the band in Arizona, and then I actually moved to LA like four or something years ago. And then the rest of the band moved out here about a year ago. Cool. Do you like LA? I like it. I like it. It just got to the point where I was always here. A lot of my friends were here. It's not very far from Phoenix. Yeah. And I used to, I dated a girl who lived here for a while. So I would find myself here in between tours. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all my friends, and then all of a sudden, it just, I realized, oh, it's not even just her. All my friends actually just like, I live in Southern California and I want to be here. So I just figured out a way to relocate. Well, good for you, man. Living the dream. Yeah. I, uh, I'm still here in Toronto. It's, uh, still snowing, if you can believe it. Yeah. Uh, Are you, Literally, like I literally got in the car. I was, I was telling you earlier. I was, I was late, and I was in traffic. And um, we have horrible traffic in Toronto too. I don't know if you know yeah, that. Our, our bass player lived in Toronto for oh, a yeah? little bit, like oh, yeah? a year. Yeah, a girl he was dating. A girl he dated for a while lived in Toronto, and she was, and she had like gone back into school and couldn't leave Toronto. So he was actually just spending all of his off time in Toronto with her. So he he so I learned about it from him. Yeah, no, it's 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 messed up. But there's, it's literally hailing outside right now. God, that's, that's it's messed up. April, what is it? April tenth or something? Like it's crazy. I can't believe it, man. Yeah. But we were in we were in Milwaukee last week and it was snowing and, I, and yeah. it, it fucked up everything for me. Yeah. So you guys, okay. So you guys just got off tour and then your record came out and now you're sitting around for a little bit. Well, no, actually, we haven't really toured at all um, in a while. We the record just came out April first and then we start tour tomorrow. Oh, we okay, perfect. Yeah. We haven't really toured. We haven't been that active for the last year, which has been kind of nice and kind of also really terrifying. <laughs> but, right. Oh, I know why you were in Wisconsin, because you did the Bernie Sanders rally. Yeah, we did the Bernie Sanders rally in Wisconsin. How was that? Surreal. Like, really crazy thing to do. Um, it was weird to get asked to do it. I, like, I don't really know like why us is what was going through my head the whole time. And it was really cool, really rewarding. Um, the show was really fun. The energy in the the energy in the room at something like that is different than any show I've really ever played. And then he was just really, really nice to us. And cool. That's so you got to meet him and, and talk to him. Got to meet him, talk to him for a little bit, very, very briefly. We actually just talked about music, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, he was really normal. And then we actually got to sing "This Land Is Your Land" with him, which was really crazy. Wow. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, it so was, was pretty he, bizarre. Did you ask him if he like if he likes punk rock or what? Uh, well, he walked on. He his he walked out to um, a Bruce Springsteen song, and okay. I'm a huge Springsteen. And I'm a huge Springsteen fan, so it was the first thing I asked him. And uh, we also made summer. We made like one night only Somerset shirts that say "Burn in the USA" and had the American flag and had his face on it. So rad! I love that. And he and he got a total kick out of that. So 
And then he walked out to a Springsteen song and we made a Springsteen inspired shirt. And then we just kind of talked about it for a second and how he, he was a big fan and how he thought music is such an integral part of everything and of elections and yeah. of young people and how it's so important to him and how he wants the, the people voting for him to know that it's important to him. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Like, like, um, you know, I I got so many questions about this. Like, so you got asked, you said, so like, I didn't know, like, I don't really understand. Like, how is it a show? Like, like he's speaking and you like, are you opening for him? Like yeah. playing to the whole crowd or. Yeah. We essentially opened for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> um, um, so he's been doing these rallies across the U S but so for, from what I've seen so far, he's had like vampire weekend and cold war kids and, Nate Roos and Best Coast and a bunch of people and I knew they and and then they were looking for support in Wisconsin because they yep. were coming up on the end of the Wisconsin primary and through a mutual friend of my managers and this girl I know who I think was working on the campaign and helping them find do like there's they have like a a handful of staff on their campaign that does a lot of like PR and musical support and like kind of artist relations stuff because a lot of people have spoken out about being a fan of his. And, sure. um, we got asked kind of last minute, like, I think they needed, they needed somebody on like, on like four, three or four days notice. Uh-huh. If we wanted to, we wanted to play the Bernie Sanders rally in Milwaukee. And we, I mean, and we, we jumped on it. We, we, we rearranged some of our other plans for our record had just come out and we got, on planes and we flew to Milwaukee and we played this rally. And so what it is, is we were in a convention center. It was like five or 6,000 people probably. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy. So there's a big, there's a big stage and that's where we played. Um, and then he has his own stage on kind of the other side of the arena. And that's like, has his podium on it. Yeah. And they have like, they have a hand, like musical acts perform. And we kind of like, I guess essentially start the show. Um, and I, it really just more so as like a crowd, rallier and um get everyone going and then a couple people speak and then he's introduced and then uh this actor on a tv show called supergirl named mccod brooks he spoke for a little bit his speech was amazing and then he introduced he introduced bernie and then bernie spoke for about an hour and then we go back on on our stage and gear up to do it like a big group encore of this land is your land he's been having every been having everyone do it every night or every rally and then he walks from his podium stage um like kind of through part of the crowd and like gives people high fives and then he comes to our stage and then we sing this land is your land that is so crazy man yeah it was like no doubt about it one of the crazier like probably the craziest thing i've ever gotten to do it was just surreal to be asked it's like especially I just looking at all the other bands that have played it just like I still am kind of dumbfounded that they that they thought we were worthy of doing it yeah it's it is it is kind of weird like I mean no offense but like you guys are not really known as a any kind of political band we've definitely expressed like on Twitter like our support there's a couple members of my band who've been pretty active about having support for Bernie and we've we've definitely like we're not like we haven't been like cold turkey like no politics like we've talked to we we've we have expressed on Twitter our support, um, a hundred percent. And um, there are a couple people in my band who are like very politically driven, who are very on board, okay, and have definitely talked about it. Um, and then um, also, it was just it was just surreal that like 
like we're not Vampire Weekend or Cold War Kids. It was like, why us? And that was really cool. So it was definitely, it was one of the more flattering things that we had ever been asked to do, especially with our record had just come out. It was like probably the coolest way to be like, hey, our new album's out. Here's the first bit of press for us. Like I remember we, I woke up and like our photo was on the cover of, was on the front page of Associated Press. And I was like, wow. okay, well, I'll never get to be on Associated Press. So this is just, it was like a different lane of, publicity that we never really expected to get absolutely no that's that's wild and i mean the fact that you could be in uh and be buddies with the future well the president of the united states uh, you know like like that that realization i don't know if that's like really hit you yet but like i mean and i know everyone's pulling for bernie especially me um but if he becomes president of the united states and you can say that you like know him and you've been on stage with that's so (laughs) insane you know right the thing that the other thing that was really really awesome is that we we were the last rally in Wisconsin and in, in Milwaukee, and then the next day was the primary, and he ended up winning. So we got an email from a bunch of his staffers that day, like calling us like their good luck charm, and that they were so happy <laughs> that he of it, and they were like, "You guys were a part of this, like thank you." And then we're now talking like we're hoping we might we're trying to like do some of the California ones in June. And that would be the craziest thing for us. Yeah, and you should. I mean, you should absolutely do it. We're hoping we get to do the California rallies in June. So that would be really cool. But I think that's I think that's what they liked about us is that like we're a band. Our, our, our demographic is different than a lot of the other artists that they've had. It's, it's a little bit younger. A lot of our fans now are like 18 to 21 kind of college age. And they're like kind of just becoming themselves as adults. And I think like they found it really exciting that like our fans are younger and we're, we're willing to like have a voice of reason and try to just get people out to vote and that it's important to us. And we wanted our fans to know it was important to us. Right. And I think, I think it like let them see that like we were active about this and we want to be a part of this. And I think that was really cool. It, it absolutely is cool. And and I know, but I know some bands, you know, they shy away from politics and they don't want to make their opinions known. Let's, Cause let's be honest, it, like America is, is very divided 50, 50 between, um, you know, Republicans and Democrats. And absolutely, there are absolutely. a lot of, there are a lot of people that are Trump supporters and stuff. And there's a lot of people absolutely. that, so, you know, by you guys, really putting yourself in the category being like, we support Bernie Sanders. We, you know, are you afraid people are going to be like, these guys are fucking socialists. I'm not buying their new record. Like, does that ever cross your mind? Honestly? No. Like I, if I'm going to have a voice and a platform and I get to do something decent with it, like I want people to like, just, I want to like, I'd love to to teach people to just vote for humanity. It's the best thing I feel like I can do. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Um, and like, I mean, some of my favorite artists ever have been, have always been a little bit politically active from Springsteen to bright eyes to even Tom Morello to like Eddie Vedder. Like these are guys who, who, who they come out and they, they, they let it known like where they stand and like a punk rock is built on some of that platform entirely. Like against me did Obama rallies. So it's like, it's, it, it, it is, it is a part of it. I think it's like, if I have a platform, I want to use it for something. And if, if I can use my platform to get like five less people to vote for Donald Trump, then I did something better than making music. I, I think that's really admir- admirable. Um, <laughs> now I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned thing about punk rock and everything. And I know you, you know, one of your new songs has a line, something like I'm, I'm, paraphrasing and i don't have the exact quote written down but i know you said something like you're you're too punk for the pop kids and too pop for the punk kids yeah absolutely it's the and first it's the first it's the first lyric on our new um, the first on, lyric on, right so first lyric on the new record and i really think that that's 
very self-aware of you to say it and yeah. really put it out there, especially, you know, making it obvious because that's a common problem um, that, that bands, you know, in I, I, the scene or whatever that, that don't quite fit in have. And yeah. I'm sure for you guys, it's a struggle. Like you're on Warp Tour and you, you know, you're playing on a stage where you don't really fit in with anybody else. Um, ha- has that been a struggle for you guys in your career, like finding tours and stuff? Uh, yes and uh, yes and no. I think I used to think of it as a burden, and now I think of it as a blessing. I think it was like a major turning point. Actually, like writing that song was more of like a, a kind of a cathartic process of like kind of understanding. We've been a band since we were seventeen. I'm 26 now, and I think it was like understand, like kind of coming into my own terms with it. But like, I think I think where that stemmed from. I remember we did. Our, our last record came out in two, 2013 and we had a really good year. And I remember we did, we did the warp tour, but then we also did, we got to the, the door opened for a band like us to do a handful of different, like, I guess more pop related shows and festivals. And we did the iHeart radio festival and we played these shows with like Cheryl Crow and the Backstreet Boys. And I remember having this realization of like laughing at myself thinking, Oh, so we go do the warp tour and we're the pop band, but then we go play, we played shows with Carly Rae Jepsen and we were like the punk band. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, that was, and it used to be so weird to me. I was like, man, I don't really understand where we fit in. And then I realized that like, that's kind of exactly where I want to be. I think like, it just lets us be us. And I think we've done a pretty good job chameleon, chameleoning our way around. And I think like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just I think like we kind of figured out our own identity in it. And like we do warp tour and we, we have a great time on Warp Tour and we do really well when we do, we hold it, we hold our own when we do Warp Tour, I've always felt like. And it's like, I don't think it's ever really limited us the way I used to think that we needed to fit in somewhere. And I think, uh, I think, so that's what that song was kind of about was, uh, I guess, understanding like the truest form of myself and like kind of coming to terms with, okay, this is the band we are. We're a little bit like this. We're a little bit like that. We're kind of not like we're kind of not like any of this and I guess take it or leave it. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, I think it's good because it makes you unique, you know, yeah, and being unique is important to set yourself apart. You know, you don't want to just be another, you know, pop punk band and you don't want to be another radio pop band. Uh, and yeah. you guys are somewhere yeah. in the middle, but I mean, even with Silverstein, uh, a lot of people don't really think about this, but Silverstein, it's tough for us too, because we're yeah. a heavier band but we're not a metal band. So we can't really tour yeah. with metal bands. And then if, if we do, we're way too soft. And then, but then bands like, you know, we were trying to tour with like Mayday Parade at one point and Mayday Parade's like, you guys are way too heavy. Like, and we're like, we never really thought of it like that. And like, we yeah, like Mayday Parade and we let, you know, like that tour to me makes sense. However, you know, uh, a lot of people don't, don't view us in that way. So it's always been a struggle for us to, to try to, you know, we tour with August Burns Red. No, we're not really that kind of a band. And then, you know, even um, like then there's bands even like Taking Back Sunday and stuff, which you think would make sense for us to tour with. We're like too metal for them. So it, it can really be a struggle. And that's that is sort of the the burden of being unique in a way, you know. Absolutely. And I think like there's a certain quality in like in learning how to embrace that. And especially like I mean, I also think I, I think about it. I think about it sometimes from like a fan perspective. And like we, de- especially like living in this kind of YouTube generation where uh, the genrefication of a lot of that stuff is not what it used to be. Like there are fans of our band who are listening to Mayday Parade and August Burns Red who are also listening to Justin Bieber. It's like that. Right. Like, people are a lot more open musically, and I don't think like you're def- so much defined by 
what you listen to anymore because people are listening to so much. And I think like there's just so much out there. So I don't think it really like has as much of an effect anymore. Like, I mean, I remember seeing like, I remember when all time low and pierce the veil did that, did uh, that co-headliner together. And I thought at first I I was like, that's not going to work. And then it totally did. (laughs) Right. No, you're right. And then there was another tour with, um, yellow card and Memphis may fire. Which yeah, which was another one where I was like, whoa, a bit of a head scratcher. But then, yeah, you do start to realize that under this umbrella that, you know, like really? there's people that love my band and people that love your band and our bands yeah. don't do not sound similar. But it's uh, it, it is it is cool. And I mean and and like I mean, I'm a fan of music and I like all kinds of shit. You know, I was listening to Pantera earlier today and, you know, and then I was throwing on like this old Daniel Bedingfield like album that I happen to like. That's like Daniel Bedingfield fucking rules. He rips. Right. So, you know, I'm listening to, I'm listening to Pantera and Daniel Bedingfield in the same day. So, you know, um, it, you know, and that's and that's that, that's the reality, I think, of music fans. I mean, every single day of my life pretty much involves listening to Bruce Springsteen or Justin Timberlake. And it's like those aren't very close. No, no, I know. It's it's a uh, it's a. It's a crazy thing, man. I think that's the kind of the world like we're in. I mean, we toured with Sleeping with Sirens twice in the UK and like it worked. It totally fucking we opened for them twice in the UK. It's like and it totally worked for us. Yeah. Like and, and we were wor- and we were worried that it wouldn't, but it did. Well, I mean, I want to go back and I want to talk a little bit about like how you found yourself, you know, in this band. You said you've been in the band since you were 17. Um yeah. and and you have obviously a lot of influences because of the unique you know ness of your band being too punk for the pop kids and too pop for the punk kids so so let's go back and i want to i want to hear about your upbringing uh detroit or phoenix or wherever you know you started getting into music uh and if you could tell me a little bit about how you got into it all yeah um so i guess so i was born in detroit um i got into music i think mostly just because my parents were just really fantastic music fans i mean like i not to br- like to bring up springsteen for i promise the last time um oh you can talk about but, it all day man i love springsteen i don't okay, mind at my, all my parents are huge springsteen fans and like i just kind of grew up i was like pretty much raised on it it was like born to run was like essentially the bible in my house and i was going to springsteen concerts at three years old running up and down the aisles with plastic guitars and like i knew it like i knew all of it and it was like so it became very quickly rooted in my dna and then throughout my life, I kind of dabbed, like I took piano lessons as a kid. It didn't really stick. I tried to play, I played drums in middle school and like some of high school and like wanted to be in little garage bands. And I, I tried to take guitar lessons and none of it really stuck. And then I think around like, and I played a lot of, I was, I, play, I was mostly an athlete growing up. I played like a lot of, I played a lot of different sports right. and I'm from a family of a lot of athletes. And so I think that was where a lot of the pressure, not so much pressure, but where like the what was the the direction I think most, a lot of my family and teachers were trying to drive me in, but the music was always felt more of like the important thing. And, uh, I remember being like a sophomore in high school. There was a girl I really liked in my sophomore <laughs> class and I, uh, I remember wanting to spend more time with her. So I joined and she was in my school's student government. So I joined my school student government after school just to hang out with her. And I, I was like one of the only guys and I just, just wanted to spend more time with her. <laughs> and then subsequently, somehow that led to um, the, my, the sophomore, my sophomore class was in charge of putting on our school's battle of the bands and um, just being one of, I guess the only guys in, in my, the after school group, I got put in charge of it. And, uh, I had the idea that we should have like an acoustic stage in the lobby in between 
set up and tear down on the main stage on, on like the stage in the gymnasium. Little did I know that that's pretty much how every f- smart festival in the entire world works. <laughs> but, uh, at, at 15, 16 years old, I just thought that was a great idea. Um, however, I didn't get enough people to like sign up to play acoustic on this, the, the lobby stage. So my ass was kind of on the line and a friend of mine who played guitar and I literally the night before the battle of bands learned like five cover songs and just thought we'd make, thought we were going to make a fool. I was going to sing. I had never sang in front of people before thought I was just going to make a fool of myself and had a pretty good group of friends and just thought it would be a fun little like hang out with some friends and like, maybe we can get a laugh out of this later, but it totally, it totally stuck. And like, it went surprisingly like a lot better than I thought it did. And I ended up kind of spending the next couple of years in high school playing acoustic at coffee shops and like school related functions. And then it wasn't until around 2007, I was a senior in high school and, uh, uh, John and Steven Gomez from my band, um, the two brothers and Jess Bowen, our drummer, the three of them, they had played, they were already pl- kind of, they were like the, the, the high school local band in Arizona that would get on all the touring shows. Like they were the local band that would always get added. Um, they actually, they were in a band. There was the three of them and Kennedy from the main, and they had a band that they had played in for a while. That was, that I was familiar with on MySpace and I'd seen their name on flyers at local shows, et cetera. And I knew that, and then there, uh, and Steven and I had kind of crossed paths at a ton of shows. We realized later, but then, um, I remember sometime in 2007 on, uh, I think I saw like their old band post something on MySpace about how they were calling it a day and looking to start a new band and looking for a new singer. So I messaged them cause I was, kind of at this turning point where I wasn't sure what I wanted, if I wanted to go to college or try to play right. any sort of sports sure. in college, or if I wanted to like maybe try to take music seriously. I'd never been in a band before. And I messaged them and we got together and we met up and it, now here we are nine years later. And we, we literally, we met, it clicked. We started playing shows in Arizona, Arizona in 2000. We were having a pretty good stroke of luck as far as kind of that scene on the map at that time. Yeah. And, Shows were really good right out of the gate, and we were also able to like go spend our weekends in in Orange County and play shows in in California sure. while I was still, while I was still in school. And then I finished high school and we started touring, and then the rest is history, just little by little, little by little from there. That's pretty crazy, yeah. Because you know, um, you say you're 15 or 16 when you first started performing music, uh, like yeah. in front of in front of anybody ever, which is like kind of late. You know, um, compared to, you know, most people I talk to that have been by the time they find their main band, they've been in so many different bands and different kinds of bands with different people. Uh, And for you, it's like this is your first band. Essentially, this is. Yeah. it's Fuck. That is weird to think about. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, like Have you ever been in played music with anybody else other than the, the people in Somerset ever? Uh, not, I mean, not to this capacity. No, yeah. not really. Not to this capacity. I mean, I think like, I mean, I, I tried to play drums when I was like 13, 14, 15. Right. But I mean, you, you kind of skip the part like where all of a sudden, you know, you're like, yeah, I was growing up loving Bruce Springsteen's. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm playing acoustic guitar uh, in front of my school. Like, like there, you must've learned to play guitar. You must've picked up a guitar or like, yeah, there must've been like, bands that inspired you to do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, so, I mean, the Somerset was built on, I mean, we were a, we were a band from Arizona in 2007. So like the big influences for us were two major pioneers of pop. Jimmy World? 
Jimmy World in the format was kind of the really big deal. And then like, and I guess, and, and then a lot of that also stemmed from Third Eye Blind. Like, like those were like the bands. And then we also like, we also got to grow up with, we grew up with the main guys. So like we were doing a lot of the same stuff as, as the, them around the same time. And it really helped like, it almost felt like it was competitive at first, but I think that was in a good way. Like it yeah. literally really helped both of us kind of get out of Arizona um, I mean, we also stemmed from the the main and the Somerset stemmed essentially from different from two different bands, and it was cool. We played a lot of our first shows with them, and it was really great. Well, yeah, that's the interesting thing about competition, and it's funny because um, you know sometimes I'll be at a show and I'll talk to some kid, you know, about and I'll be like, yeah, like like you know, check out the other bands or whatever, and they'll be like, and they'll they'll like tell me they don't like the other bands or that my band's like better than the other bands, and I'm always like, you know, it's not a contest. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a high school battle of the bands, which I think is like a funny mentality that some people have, maybe because our society is so rooted in in winning and losing and, you know, in, a, in competition. Absolutely. Uh, so I thought I always think that's interesting. But but the point you bring up about especially being a local band and having the rivalries that that tend to happen between bands uh, like, yeah. for, for example, with us, you know, we're from the Toronto area and, and, you know, we came up a lot earlier than you guys. I mean, we formed the band in 2000 and, uh, you know, we had an amazing scene here with bands like we had like Alexis on Fire and Billy Talent, yeah. Monine, Boys Night Out. Uh, you know, we just had a lot of bands. We, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it still is a pretty great scene here. Um, but early, you know, in the early 2000s, it was it was great. But but I love the thing you bring up about the competition, because part of the reason that you know, you talk about Phoenix at that time and Toronto earlier. Uh, part of the reason that the scene was so good was because of that competition, because you had to be a certain level to even get a show. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, so we pushed each other really to be better. And I think that that's a reason why you have these great scenes uh, in, in pockets around, around the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still remember like, I mean, I was very fortunate individually that I was able to step into a band with people who had already essentially been kind of doing it um, and getting on a lot of shows like they like the the other guys from the Somerset. I mean, their band pr- prior to this with Kennedy from the main, like, I mean, they, they, they had, they had already kind of figured out how it worked. Like they had played the, sh- like a lot of local shows and they like, they knew. So it was, it was really nice to be able to come right out of the gate and like go right into playing a show and like knowing how it, it works. Right. <laughs> um, and like, but yeah, we, we had a really good little pocket in 2007 between, remember it was us and the main and a rocket to the moon and Ann Arbor. And then like, we always had like this Providence was playing shows in Arizona all the time too. Cause, and like we had a, just a group of kind of bands that were playing shows and it was really strong right out of the gate. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. I, I mean, I think of Phoenix and I think of like scary kids, scaring kids and uh, bless the fall. You know, uh, I think of the, like more of the heavy scene too. Well, so. no, I mean, a hundred percent. And that was, I mean, that was the other thing I was going to say is because at the same time, Phoenix was just good, was just on the map in general because we had so many heavier bands that were doing really well. I mean, I remember that. I mean, I was, I was in high school and I remember when bless the fall and scary kids and like even job for a cowboys from Arizona uh-huh, and like, yeah. and like, I mean, we even played shows with like I Set to Kill, like right out of the gate, like, and we were this pop band, and like somehow, like, it didn't really even matter then that like we played shows with some heavier bands. Right. Well, you know, it's it's Phoenix, Arizona. It's too hot to go outside, so everyone stays yeah. inside where it's cool and practices uh, their guitar. That's why there's so many good yeah. bands. 
Absolutely. It's too hot to do it. <laughs> All right. That's the only, that's the, only, that's the theory I've got. Too shitty to do anything else. Yeah. Well, Hey, I, I, I'll take the heat over the cold, but that I also from Canada. So, um, hey. I'm sure if, you know, the grass is always greener. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was reading that you guys, um, were going to break up before this record. Yes. Is that true? Huh. Uh, so that story, um, yeah. So this record took a long time for us. I mean, it was our fourth, it's our fourth album. And I think like our last record kind of opened a lot of doors. Our last record opened a lot of doors for us that we weren't necessarily expecting. And, um, it was probably the best album cycle we ever had. And yeah. It's a crazy off- record cycle. You guys had an amazing record cycle. Absolutely. And we toured off of it more than we'd ever toured off of anything. Um, and we did a lot of stuff that we didn't quite think we were going to get to. Um, but it was one of those, like, um, it was more so one of those, like, we got invited to a certain party, but we weren't allowed to stay forever. And uh, we, um, I think I started, I remember we came off the road with Legendary, our last record, um, with kind of the idea of, like, okay, you guys are going to go, you're going to make a new record. And um, I don't definitely, like, just wasn't ready to do that. I think like, right. I needed I like, I just wasn't even close to ready to do that. And, um, and then we started writing very slowly and I take my time for, at, 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 at that capacity. But I remember, I, I remember having, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself for, for the wrong reasons and just thinking about it in the wrong way. I think like we had a song on our last record, get played on the radio just a little bit, not like a ton, but just a little bit yep. it played. We played these certain festivals with iHeartRadio, radio and that was really cool. And I think I started to like, convince myself, okay, well, this is our fourth record. We need to grow. We need to get bigger as a band. I need a bigger, better song. And I spent so much time realizing that I was doing it backwards because like predicting, predicting a song like that is like shooting at a shooting bullets at a moving target. Like you really can't do that. You just have to like eventually just be so in tune with yourself that people start to pay attention. And at least that's the way I want it. If I'm ever going to have a song that somehow becomes a big song, I want it to be on my own terms like that. I want it to be right. because attention to the way I did things, the songs, the big hit songs that I've seen in the last 10 years that resonate with me that have last, that have had even lasting power are just by people who like, were just doing it, doing themselves so well that everyone had to start paying attention to them no matter what. And I think it took a long time to realize that like, I just needed to like get back to the basics of making a record for me and really fucking loving what I was doing in the process. And I think at one point, so at one point it had kind of gotten, we were so lost in, in the, we were so lost in the process and it had been so long for us that we kind of like that we were relatively dormant that we sat down as a band and kind of sat down and thought that maybe it had run, that maybe we had run our course and maybe this was, maybe it was time. Everyone had like, everyone had moved out to LA to join me. Everyone was kind of working on some other things. Um, we self-produced this record and the two brothers in my band, they had started producing other people's records. Yep. We, um, we had all just kind of, we had taken a year off and we were all kind of, we weren't quite as close as we had ever been. And we were all kind of, everyone was doing different things. I was traveling a lot, just trying to see the world in ways I missed and uh, while, while we were touring. And, um, and so I, and, and also it may be in a way running away from running away from making a record in a sense. Right. But, uh, for sure. But, uh, we sat down as a band and kind of thought that maybe we had run its course, run our course and that. I guess the plan and then that ended up kind of being this amazing silver lining because this kind of thing happened where we sat down and we were like, okay, well let's call, we're going to call this a day, but let's make, 
let's take what we have. Let's take this batch of 11 songs. Um, let's stop searching for the proverbial <laughs> bigger, better song because you can't just search for that. You can't just shit uh, that out. Yeah. It just shit that out. Um, and let's just, the, the, let's, let's take what we have, I think. And, and let's self-produce the record, which was never the plan. Right. The plan was, plan was find like the perfect, just a list producer to collaborate with and let's make a really cool record. And then we, 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 we let our guard down. We just decided, you know what, John, Steven, you, you guys are going to make the record. Let's do this like this. Um, we're going to make this record and we're just going to give it out to our fans. We're going to treat it like it's our last record. We're going to do one big tour and then we're going to call it a day. And that was a really scary thing. Yeah. It ended up also being the best thing that we had ever done by accident because it allowed us to just make a record like we were making our first record all over again, no rules, no expectations. We went back, we made it in a, a house, um, essentially in a bedroom and just went back to the basics of doing this ourselves. And we kind of swallowed our pride and let our guard down and just made a record that we were really excited about. And then we cranked, we, it went from, we hadn't done anything in a year to we made this whole record in six weeks. And then we, I remember we sat down a couple days after Thanksgiving last year and we kind of were sitting with the record and we were like, fuck, we're really proud of this. This is really good. Like, I think this is the best thing we've ever done. It would be a shame to let this go now. Right. And we, I remember calling our record label. We had told our record label that we were not going to be a band anymore. And we t- told our management and everything. And they were like, okay. And then I remember we kind of sat down and as a band, we kind of reneged on our whole plan and called our label and told them, okay, you know what? We think this record's really good. Let's, let's see what we're made of. And we're still a band now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of a crazy story. Like, I mean, to be, to be so frustrated with, um, with writing and frustrated with having to make another record to just throwing your hands up and saying like, I, I can't do it anymore. Uh, is, is pretty wild, especially after having such a successful um, record, you know, on your last record. So yeah. it's it's very it's a very unique story, which is which is why I wanted to ask you uh, exactly kind of what was going th- going through your head. Um, it's a, the story but, I'm really actually loving telling because it, I also think I think it does kind of subconsciously tie itself into the record we made in general. I listen to the record now. And I look back at like the, the time where, like, where I was when I was writing certain songs in the record. And I remember John from my band when we were like right before we started, kind of started really tracking some of these songs. I remember John, like this is while we still thought we were breaking up. Yeah. I remember John, I remember John looking at me and being like, Brian, I don't know, like you're really attached to these songs and you've been very close to them. But from an outside outsider's perspective, I don't know if you've noticed this, but all of these songs feel like the end of something to me. And I think that's really cool. And I think I listen to this record, I listen to this record and I look back at writing all these songs and there's definitely something, there's this kind of this theme of this end of innocence and this end of something and this end of an era that is present in all 11 of the songs. Yeah. And I think, and I find that really interesting and I look at it now and for a while I was like, Oh yeah, well maybe like it was like, fate that maybe we were supposed to close this chapter of our lives. And now I look at it and it's like, Oh, maybe it was just time to close the door on that chapter of this band. And maybe it's just like, maybe this is a chance to like 
be a brand new band again. And it feels like that, which is really cool. It was, it's almost feels like coming back from the dead. I have no expectations anymore. We put the album out. I didn't really, because the album almost never happened. You kind of rule out any form of expectation when you're putting out a record. You're like, okay, I think, I hope people like it. I hope it does well. And everything so far has been fantastic. And I like this way of thinking has been so much better than like the, the amount of pressure and torture I was putting on myself last year to like try to take the moderate success of our last record to the next level. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You bring, bring all this up because this is your fourth record, right? Fourth. Yeah. And, and I feel like the same kind of thing happened with my band too. When we, cause we did the first three records, we did them kind of the same way. You know, yeah. where we, we got in a room, we wrote some songs, we got with a producer, we recorded them. Uh, you know, we didn't think about the track listing. We just kind of, you know, whatever. We, we recorded the songs and then we would worry about it later. And I felt a similar rut um, around then. And this is, uh, this would have been probably the same, you know, around, around the same time. We'd have been a band at this point for about seven or eight years. So probably yeah. like the same as you guys. And I knew we had to do something different. I knew something had to change or I was going to feel like I was doing the same thing over and over again. My life wasn't progressing. I wasn't doing anything. So on our fourth record, we made a very high concept album, you know, where the whole whole album tells a story and everything. And then after that, it was very important for us to uh, just sort of start stepping up our game in everything we did and take things more seriously. And I felt like at that point, we got our second wind. And would that be fair to say that's what you guys are at right now? Like you have your second wave? Yes, absolutely. It's like, and and the other thing that's been really great about it is I I like that you mentioned like the attention to detail is I find myself now like paying more attention to things I never really paid attention to. Like it was very important to me. Every, every little bit of the artwork and every single photo we've taken and every piece of merchandise and literally everything that you can look at or see or feel related to this record, I've wanted to like make sure meets a certain like kind of quality of life that I want it to feel and like taking a step back and revisiting how we made this record has made me revisit the way I look at any sort of art form. And that's been really nice. Uh, it's just like, I think it's pushed me to excel and kind of strive for a little bit better out of everything I do. Um, I remember our first three records we made pretty quickly, like all three of them, like back to back, like every year and a half, something like that. And, uh, I would just, I think it was time to like take a step back and like really take our time on something. And that was really nice. It's kind of an inspiring story too. Like, I think this story is bigger than just about some kids in a band. You know what I mean? Because it's teaching you about, about, you know, not giving up about sticking with things and about trying harder and how, you know, having the determination to try harder and you can actually, you know, get what you're setting out to do and achieve. So it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Nice man. Hey, um, so, uh, yeah, this is the lead singer syndrome podcast. Um, so we like to talk about how hard our lives are. Um, when was the last time you carried a piece of gear? Uh, well, I'm trying to uh, yesterday. uh, So this is funny. Um, so we were rehearsing all day yesterday. Um, and like we had a lockout for the last couple of days and we, we have like, this is the first tour. This is the first, kind of the Somerset tour we've done in a cu- two years now. Wow. And uh, like really like, re- I mean, we've toured, but like we've supported, like we've done little support things or like acoustic runs just to buy us some time while we were making a record. Yeah. But this is 
as far as in my eyes, like this is the first real tour that is truly us full band headlining, like bringing out lights and like actually like trying like in, in two years. And we're playing, we're playing four records worth of material and it's a 20 song set list. And it's like a lot, it's the most like we've really even gone into detail in rehearsals than we've really ever have. And I remember being at our, and I've been sick. I've had, yeah during the last couple of days of this and like plotting out everything. And like we, um, I remember being at, we, I was, we were at our rehearsal space yesterday. There's a couple songs that I play keys on this very, very small, like 60 key MIDI keyboard that we run through a computer. And, uh, I remember we wrapped last night. It was like 10. We had been there all day. Everyone's exhausted. We have a ton of gear. And I remember being like, I, I wanted to get out of there and I remember being really adamant about just like someone telling me where to put this keyboard. And I remember everyone just stopping and looking at me like, Brian, we don't give a flying fuck about where that piano is going to go. We have all of this. We're going to deal with this right now. I understand that you want to help out and you want to put your thing away, but just leave it and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I love key, it. Like, this keyboard is like the lightest piece of gear we have. And it, it, really, it, it, bear, it like, it doesn't service a ton of purpose. And I was just like hell bent on putting it away so I could go home. And then I just remember everyone looking at me like, Brian, just shut the fuck up and leave. <laughs> yeah. That, that's funny, man. No, um, a 20 song set list. That's uh that's pretty intense. Have you ever played a set that long before? We've done 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually I've, I've done an acoustic show where I've played 20 songs. Are you, uh, are you at all worried about, your voice holding up for a run like that, especially now with you getting a bit of, a bit of sickness. Um, I normally, my voice usually holds up really well. Um, but, uh, like my voice, I've always like in the past and when, when we were touring like for six years straight, like I never really, my voice held up very, very well during the bulk of our entire touring and I never really had any issues. Um, and I, but I remember we like a year and a half ago, we did a tour in the UK and I, um, I got, I got sick while we were over there cause it was freezing and I, I got laryngitis and I sang and I didn't know. And I sang and I finished the tour and everything was fine. But then I came home and I saw a voice doctor and she was like, Oh, you've had laryngitis and you've been singing on it. And you actually caused a little bit of bruising on one of your vocal cords. Um, you don't need to have surgery, but I think you should maybe reinvent, like reimagine the way you sing and why you sing and some of your wow. lifestyle just be a little more cautious. And like, I did some voice therapy and I actually like learned how to use my voice a little differently and kind of learned how to re like imagine, like use my voice a little more. And I don't want to say delicately, but just actually be a little more cautious because I'm not 18 anymore and I'm going to be 27 this year and I don't want it to run out. <laughs> um, right. And this is the first time I've really toured since that happened to me. And my voice is actually in the last year, even in the off time, like, I feel like in this last year, I've made the most progress as a singer I feel like I've ever made. I really love the way my voice felt and sounded, especially on the recordings. And I think I've grown, I think my voice has grown up a lot too. I think I, I for a long time, I felt like I sounded a lot like a kid. But, um, uh huh. I, uh, and so now we're going to do this tour and we're going to play a very long set every single night. Um, and I'm not really worried about it holding up. I mean, the, I'm, I've been kind of sick the last few days, so I'm hoping the first couple shows go really well. But I think it's just a matter of just taking very good care of myself and not putting myself in any sort of jeopardy. Like I can't – I'm not really trying to go out and drink every night on tour anymore. I just like – I just – I got a 20-song show to play and I am 
kind of a perfectionist. So I don't, uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to, I'm going to give it a few shows and just see how it feels. Absolutely. So the voice therapy, I, I haven't actually talked to anybody that's done that. So what exactly did that consist of? And like, what did you work on kind of exercises or, or how did it work? Um, I, I haven't taken a ton of vocal lessons, but I've taken a few and it was just a lot of just like, I mean, you know, I mean, all the little, it was basically just like getting a massage on my voice, like once every two weeks, it was kind of cool. Like just little, like just a lot of little, little bubble trails and just like learning how to also just learning how to like place certain notes and certain way I sing certain words, like in my voice and like learning how to imagine my voice instead of like pushing everything out of my chest or from my, or t- getting tense in my throat, like imagining every single note that I sing coming from like the back of my skull. And it is really just like kind of just the way it's and a lot of breathing techniques. I think a lot of like just training myself to like breathe differently while I'm singing and while I'm running around and I move a lot. And it was just like really just kind of training my focus. Absolutely. No, it's really, really unique. And it's, it's amazing how few singers really, even great singers, how few of them really have had any training, you know? And, and I'm, I'm like you, I, I think I went to see a vocal coach for, like four lessons once in my life and that's it, you know? And it's, and it really is amazing how people don't even think about like their breathing, which is so important, you know? So important. Like I haven't taken a ton of vocal lessons, but actually I've been fortunate that I have a friend who is a, who is a vocal coach and she's coached a lot of really great artists. And she's also like a really wonderful. She's almost also just like a therapist. Like she's just a really awesome woman. She's very into meditation. Yeah. And she's just really great. And I haven't taken a ton of lessons with her because it hasn't crossed paths, but I almost wish it's for the first time, like with her, I almost wish I could take a lesson with her all the time. Just like, it's been great. She's very different in the approach where it hasn't so much. I took a couple of vocal lessons with her and it had no, almost nothing to do with the technicality of singing as much as it did. Like the reason behind like why I sing and what for and the connection to the audience and like kind of the purpose behind it. And it almost, it really re it really like changed my mentality of like what I'm doing it for. Oh, that's awesome, man. No, it's, it's, that's good. That and that's, that's inspiring to me. I kind of want to, I kind of want to go look someone up and, uh, <laughs> and take some vocal, uh, voice therapy. Exactly. So, um, that's, that's very cool, man. Hey, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, uh, but I know you're going on tour very soon. Big, big tour, 20 song set, Bring in lights, the whole the whole shebang. Uh, can you yeah, tell the people doing... when that starts? Who's out with you guys yeah. so they can check it out? That starts tomorrow in Anaheim, California, um, and then it finishes in Detroit on June first. We do the UK in the middle of the tour, which is really interesting. that's really weird. How, yeah, how's that? How's that working out? So we're doing we do the we do a West Coast US leg. So we start in Anaheim. It was. It was kind of our way of figuring out how to do Anaheim in LA without having to do them back to back so we can kind of get the same people to come to both. Um, yep. We start in Anaheim and then we end – we start in Anaheim tomorrow and then we end the West Coast in LA on May 7th and then we fly to the UK. We do eight or nine shows in the UK and then we fly from the UK to Orlando and then we do the East Coast of the US. It actually – it sounds kind of crazy but I actually am really excited about it. I think it's right, it breaks up our tour really nicely. Yeah, I think it's a cool approach too. I always, I always thought about doing tours in more, more legs and stuff with break. I think that that's, you know, just going out for six or seven weeks on a U.S. headliner can be pretty grueling, you know. Yeah, it's so, pretty daunting. Yeah, and and just you know can kind of kind of get a bit dry, you know, doing the same 
you know, doing the same show every night, six days a week uh, for that long. So that's cool. You're breaking it up. You're breaking it up. So, um, yeah, who's out with you guys? Um, a, a band called Handsome Ghost and a band called Royal Teeth. Um, kind of two indie pop rock bands that I've actually been a pretty big fan of. Handsome Ghost put out this uh, EP last year that I just thought was absolutely spectacular. So really excited to have that them out with us. And then this uh, indie band from Louisiana called Royal Teeth. And then this uh, rapper named Charisma, who this young kid, he's like 19 from oh, Minnesota. Cool. And uh, John and Steven from my band who produced our record actually produced his record. So he's coming out on the road and we're going to have him open the show. And so it's, a, it's, it's pretty diverse. Uh, uh, all three openers are quite a bit different from each other. Cool. I think yeah. that's really good. I like the unique, uh, the unique approach. And, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, fans of, of music are fans of music and they like lots of different stuff. So I think it's, uh, I think yeah. it's really cool. You're switching it up. I also like doing my part in showing fans who are coming to our shows, an, an artist or two that I'm a fan of. Like I want people to like come see, like I, like I, I want you to like this, come to our show. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and I think that that's becoming more of a problem now too, is that like it used to be, or it used to feel like at least bands would bring out other bands because they actually like them. Now it's like, well, how many tickets are they worth in what markets? You know what I mean? And, and there's way too much stock put on, on, you know, getting people to come out and selling tickets than there is actually putting on a quality bill uh, from start yeah. to finish. So uh, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's good that you guys are doing that. And it's like, and it, I think it had gotten to the point where so many people were touring with the same bands all of the time yeah. and bands to them. It was like, I don't know. I mean, we were guilty of it, but like, I think of it from a fan perspective of my band. It's like, how can, I don't want to go see the Somerset play with that band that sounds like them for the fifth, for the 50th time. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm trying. I want to change that up a little bit. Absolutely. And you guys are on the Warp Tour, right? Again, we're doing doing the last ten shows. That's, oh, okay. That's it. Okay, um, good. But I'm excited about it. It looks like there's a lot of really great dudes on Warp Tour this summer. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked. Um, I'm excited to do the last ten. Oh, it's We've gonna never- be. It's gonna be great. But you know what? You're gonna come in, and everyone's gonna be so burnt out at that point. You guys are gonna oh, be all I'm- like fresh. Be like, hey guys, let's hang out. Everyone's like, I just want to go home. We've never done it where we didn't do the whole thing. So I'm kind of excited to be one of those bands that just shows up at the end and like we can play 10 great shows and then we're done. Yeah. And we get to, it's the dream, man. And we get to play the California shows, which I also love. Perfect. Perfect, dude. Hey, great. Well, it's, it's a great new, a great new record. Uh, I really, really like that inspirational story about you thinking it came to the end and having your music really revitalize your band. So that's really, really awesome. And, um, all the best to a great year, man. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Are you guys doing any? Are you guys doing any warp tour? No, we're not. We did the whole thing last year, so this yeah, year we're okay. uh, we're taking it off. We're doing some European stuff, uh, and then we're doing a big tour in the fall in the U.S. Uh, and Europe. So it's uh, it's going to be busy for me too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're I, we're playing in Toronto in next month. If you're around, come I'll, out, dude. Absolutely, I will be there, man. What venue? Uh, I don't. I don't remember what date, but I will send you the information. We are playing in Toronto. I think Mod Club sometime end. Of Perfect. May. Mod Club's great. Yeah, I'll be there, man. Cool. All right. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for taking the time, uh, and have a great day. All right. Thanks. All right. Sir. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. 
So there's my conversation with Brian Dales of the Somerset. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it uh, and you want to do me a big favor, go over to iTunes and write a review, preferably five stars. That will really help us grow the show. And, you know, the more the show grows, the, the better guests we'll be able to get and you know, it's just going to be a lot of fun moving forward. And, and I'm always excited about the podcast. And, and really, this is just something I'm so happy that I started. So thank you very much for being a part of this and for listening. Next week, we will be back on Monday, as always, with a new episode. I don't even know who it's going to be yet. <laughs> so I can't wait. You can't wait. It's a beautiful thing. As always, I will leave you with a track. I'm going to play that song Brian and I were talking about in the podcast from the new album, which just came out. Make sure you pick it up. It's called Figure Me Out and really listen to the lyrics because I really love how honest he is, you know, about not just what he's doing, but even just him, you know, as a person and as his career. So I really, really think this is a cool song and and, uh, and something different about it. So check it out. Here it is. The Somerset with Figure Me Out on Lead Singer Syndrome. We'll see you on Monday. Peace out. I'm a bit too pop for the punk kids But I'm too punk for the pop kids I don't know just where I fit in Cause when I open my mouth I know nobody's listening To the words of a prophet Who still can't turn a profit Cause I don't fit in with the in crowd But I'm too Hollywood to go back to my hometown Cause they think that I'm famous When I know I'm a fraud Who got too fucked up on the finer things To remember who he but I believe there's more to life than all my problems Maybe there's still hope for me to start again I'll get my feet back on the ground And pull my head out of the clouds I think it's time for me to figure me
wanna fall in love before I'm dead So I can make my parents proud I hope my feet don't fail me now Cause it's time for me to figure me out